Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not in today. It's Thursday, August uh, 24th, 42nd. It's Jackie Robinson Day. Well, he was 42, right? No. Yeah. Uh, the year of our Lord, 2023. And uh, I want to welcome you all. Welcome our Canadian correspondent, Bren Van. Patricia, our correspondent from Scotland. Richard, our correspondent from England. And Sabine, our correspondent from the fatherland. Although, I don't know, do they still call it that? My grandparents called it that, but I don't know if you're supposed to call it that anymore. All right, Sabine, we're going to need your help on that one. Because um, I don't know, like, what's Nazi and what's not. I do know Germany is the only country in the history of the world to identify itself as male. Right? Everybody else, she, her. But remember this? Germany, and I don't know if they still do, but there was a distinct period in history where Germany referred to itself as he, which is completely unique to my knowledge. Uh, anyway, uh, so here we are. We're, we're now in our third part of our series on Japan, all leading up to the dropping of the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And uh, what I'm just trying to do is give us a sense, because again, it's so easy to just act like we went, well, heck, let's drop the bomb. This was a culmination of things from World War I we're going to hopefully see, uh, as well as some other things. And again, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm glad we dropped the bomb, but I don't think it's morally as clear as atomic bomb bad, not atomic bomb good. Um, and, and hopefully we'll get there. Uh, but what I hope you're starting to pick up on is the Empire of Japan is a steamroller that can't even stop itself, let alone count on a foreign power. Uh, and this comes back to a lot of reasons, but primarily this idea of Gokokoju, this idea of the lower takes the higher. Uh, Japan constantly kind of found herself almost bullied by her own army. Um, the first I was telling dad this, I read a book about this. Americans call it fragging. Uh, there are incidents of it in the U.S. that we know of. I'm sure it's always happened. And Korea is the first time that I could find Americans actually talking about it. And in Vietnam, it became an absolute phenomenon. What is a fragging? A fragging is when you kill your own commander, right? And why? And you try to make it look like the battle killed him. Because he's a bad commander, right? Uh, and soldiers tend not to have recourse in the U.S. Army outside of that in the heat of battle. But Japan, this was the norm. Uh, and even within their government, this idea of a government by assassination was a very real phenomenon. Um, we also see that Japan felt she had to colonize um, everybody else is colonizing, and since we don't have any natural resources to speak of, we need to colonize. The biggest thing, of course, being oil, um, and, and we're going to get into all that. Anyway, um, 
Oh, and also on a personal note, thank you so much for all the offers to help clean up our church and to help us financially. We're okay. I promise. It it wasn't huge. It was all cleaned up in a couple hours. Um, the man was thorough, but I don't know. He took his time. Like, there's one thing. I, can I say this on the video where he just sat down and had a beer? Like, he took a nice break. You know, I've broken enough things. And he did try every door on the school. I love that. Like, again, he was thorough, but he wasn't really good at it. So I'm glad he wasn't good at it. But there's not going to be real financial damage. Please don't worry. And again, like I wrote, hopefully you saw, didn't stop us, didn't hurt us. Um, it hurt him. Um, and we're going to pray for him. Uh, yeah. Okay, so thank you for all that. I promise we're okay. I feel like we're to the point now where when I need help, I can ask. Remember the whole thing with our computer? And you people were nuts. Thank you. And uh, okay, so where are we? Well, we're at a point where for all intents and purposes, Japan, the Empire of Japan did not really have control of its army in China. But they were also unable or unwilling to do anything about that. They wanted out, right? They're losing people. And it's a small country. The world wanted Japan out of China. But again, Japan couldn't stop the train. It was just impossible to stop the train. The commanders in China kept pushing, taking more land every time they pushed. And every time they did, they'd go farther in order to find a place to set up a defense only run into resistance. They would then chase the resistance, crush it, and go, well, now we need to find a border past this. And they just kept going. And again, I'm simplifying. But this is basically what's going on. Now, what if the commander doesn't push? Well, then someone will kill him and take command. And they'll push. Why? Because we're patriots. And Japan had an image of herself as uniting Asia. Um... I think I remember it right. The Greater East Asian Co-Prosperity Sphere. I'm 80% sure I've got this right. I haven't thought about this often so long, you guys. Does that sound right to you, Dad? The Greater East Asia Co-Prosperity Sphere is what the Japanese wanted to call it. And it was the idea that we will be the masters of Asia. Now... There would have, uh, Dan Carlin pointed this out, they would have done great if they would have said, China, Korea, Vietnam, Laos, let's do this together. They would have ruled the world. But that wasn't in Japan's vision at this time. Were there moderates within Japan calling for it? Sure. Uh, but for the most part, it never gained traction. The idea that gained traction is we will reunite and protect Asia frankly, from the white folk. Um, but we'll do it by taking control. We're the only ones that can do it. China, you proved you can't handle it. You're colonized. Korea, you proved you can't do it. You're colonized. right? It was this idea of we've shown we can be impervious to colonization or colonialization. I never know how to say that. Um. So we should teach you people how to do it. And how are we going to do it? By taking control. Follow our lead. We're the greatest. Um, so this war in China, Japan is starting to feel it. 
when we get to 1940, she starts to feel it for new reasons. It's not just the stacks of bodies that they're making and losing. They're being constantly harassed by Western powers to leave China. Get out. You know, you can't finish it. So stop and leave. Uh, J Japan was entrenched in this horrific warfare, but they really didn't know how to get out. Uh, they would lose face, and they would probably have the army mutiny. Um, as And again, I'm skipping so much, and I'm speaking so generally. Another story uh, broke of grotesqueries committed in China at the hands of Japanese troops, and it turned into, you need to get out to you're going to be out in a week. Now, here's the deal. Japan's Navy wanted nothing to do with a war with the U.S. Or and or Britain. They, all of their officers trained in the U.S. and Britain, and they knew what was waiting over there. Now, did they feel they could win a war? Well, certainly. Do we need to? Why pick a fight with the two biggest kids on the block over when we're fighting the biggest kid on the block here? The Japanese army, you know, was like, no, no, we can't be stopped. We must do this. And of course, the Japanese Navy's response was, well, you're not the ones who will be fighting those guys. Right? It'll be us. So Japan's in this spot and they did something that really changed everything. Arguably the most significant, in my opinion, moment in the war up to this point, except for the invasion of China proper, she signed the tripartite agreement with the Nazis. She created, joined whatever the Axis powers of World War II, uh, Nazi Germany, uh, what do you call that um, when a dictator rules? Uh, what, do you, what the heck is wrong with me? Uh, fascist Italy, and now the empire of Japan. Uh, why would she do it? Uh, I have three reasons. I, I think I'm right. I really do. I've read an obscene amount of this stuff. Um, and if you read a you know certified historian who says better, go with them. Okay. But one thing I know I'm right about is between the Nazis in Germany, the fascists in Italy, uh, the Japanese found two people who hated communism as much as they did. And for Italy and Germany, you had the Soviet Union on their door. For Japan, you had the Soviet Union and China, which was not communist yet, on their door. And you remember I told you about Chiang Kai-shek, the Chinese general who was a feral anti-communist and so who would side with Japan sometimes against communists? Well, not anymore. He was captured by the communists. Uh, but they didn't torture him and kill him, which is usually their only real tool, right? <laughs> you know, for, for a communist government, but they weren't a government yet. They captured Chiang Kai-shek. They abducted him and took him to a remote location 
where he spent, I don't know how long, but I believe it was days arguing with the other warlords and the communists. The communists got them together for a real simple reason. We can all fight later. We have to unite against Japan. Um, you guys, at this point, the Chinese had lost almost a million people in this war. And you're thinking, yeah, well, there's a billion of them. A, not yet. There was not a billion people there. They were wildly populated. But guys, a million people. So Chiang Kai-shek agreed, in principle, to work with the communists and the other warlords. So now Japan is starting to face a somewhat unified China. Now, China's first blow as a unified army did not go well at all. They accidentally bombed their own civilians and killed thousands when they were trying to bomb Japanese positions. But then they gave Chiang Kai-shek control and he didn't make those kind of mistakes japan is losing battles sometimes now when they really hadn't been losing battles in the japanese mind that's the communists right and in the world's mind truly so you have between the nazis in germany the fascists in italy and the imperial army of japan a rabid anti-communism so that united them the second thing is the Japanese Olympic sport of misunderstanding Americans, right? We misunderstand them. They misunderstand us. It's almost a charism, okay? Um, now, this one is a little more, it's going to take me a little more time to break down. But at core, what Japan believed, and most Americans believed, we're never going to enter World War II. Okay, uh, <clears throat> FDR, when he was running for president at this point, was campaigning on, I will never let us get into World War II, right? And what was his opponent's argument? I won't get us into World War II either. There was no candidate calling for Americans to get behind Britain and France-ish. I mean, France was gone at this point. Uh, Britain was standing alone in many ways. Uh, but in the U.S., you had a few factors. You have a huge German contingent. There are more German uh, people of German descent in this country than in Irish and Italian combined. Right? Uh, there was just a ton of Germans here. And what were the Germans saying? Leave it alone. Just just stay out of it. But beyond German Americans, what everyone in America agreed was war is bad. <laughs> okay. Everybody was still shook from World War One. I. I really lack the verbal skills to get you to join that 1940 mindset in America, which was Everyone I know lost someone in World War I. And you and I are used to the gaudy numbers of warfare now. People back then were not. I know I said this two shows ago, but just as a quick reminder, World War I was the first mass war. I mean, there were a couple small wars before this where we were using modern weapons, machine guns, artillery, 
things nobody really had before. And no one really knew, well, what would war be like where the primary weapons are not bows, arrows, swords, and spears? Or even guns that can fire once every minute. What happens when you put two armies across from each other and they start lobbing massive shells, spraying gunfire? Well, what happened? A lot of the world's population died. So if you'll excuse me for a second, and all this is bringing back to why Japan trusted that the U.S. was not going to get into World War, well, that no one was going to get into World War II who didn't have to. So I want to give you a few percentages. Australia lost 1.3% of its population in World War I. Okay, UK lost 2.2% of her population. Belgium, 1.7%. Guys, of their total population. Uh, Dad, you're good at math. What is 1% of 330 million? Do you know? Be about 3 million? I think it'd be 3 million. So guys, that's the equivalent of us losing 3 million people in the U.S. today. Right? Today, if we lost 3 million people in a war, um, how about France lost 4.3% of her population? Greece, 3.7%. Italy, 3.5%. Romania, 9% of its population. Serbia, 16% of its population. Uh, let's go to Austria, 3%, uh, Bulgaria, 3%, Germany, 4%, uh, the Ottoman Empire, 14% of its population. What does that translate into? In World War II, 4% of the world's population, in World War I, 4% of the world's population died. That's that's bigger than the bubonic plague, um, I think. I'd have to think that through. It's got to be. Uh, but nobody wanted that again. And again, it's not like now, guys. Like in the U.S., back then, you turned 18, you're in the Army or the Navy or the Marines. I don't think there was an Air Force yet. No. You're in the Army or you're in the Navy or Marines. That's it. Uh, you can't get out of it unless you have some serious health, unless they say, no, we don't want you. And so you're in. Um, America and all of the world was reeling from World War I when World War II started. And again, you can argue all you want. World War II happened because at the end of World War I, we beat Germany into the ground. We were so, the world was so shocked by the death toll that they subjected Germany to penalties that nobody should ever have had to pay. We destroyed Germany economically and socially. And of course they looked to a dictator. Of course they looked to a guy, a charismatic leader who would tell them, I'm going to restore the good old days. Um... And by the way, I'm not absolving, you know, Nazi Germany, you know, at all. 
But if you know any history, well, look what the U.S. does at the end of World War II. We rebuilt our enemies' countries because we all learned the lesson, right? The guy on the street who got killed, he didn't fight for Hitler. He fought because he had to, right? We, we get Germans weren't making these decisions by the end. One man was making these decisions by the end. And Germany's entry into World War I was a very morally defendable position, by the way. Oh, but okay. So what you've got is Japan has people all over the U.S. who were reporting back. These guys aren't going to fight. Uh, and by the way, a lot of them are communists. Now, why would the Japanese... Now, these are Japanese citizens who came over to the U.S. to go to school. These are not Japanese Americans. That's your answer as to why it happened. These were Japanese students at American universities who were getting the typical university ultra-left-wing view of things. So imagine, if you would, there's a country that doesn't know anything about us except what their students who go to college here tell them. Do you think that's a realistic view or an accurate view of America in general? So it was happening. Japan's intel, for lack of a better phrase, was not good. The other issue within that is if America is going communist, we certainly don't want to ally with them. The next key factor, and again, this is my opinion, but I think it's pretty solid. No, no, this one actually I've gotten from books. Sorry. Japan believed that if the U.S. looked to their west and saw Nazi Germany and looked to their right and saw the empire of Japan, it would give Japan better negotiating power in terms of withdrawing from China and in terms of buying her goods because Japan was buying a ton of goods from America at this point. Right? It's the opposite of now. All our ships were going there full and coming back empty. Right? Whereas now they're going home, they're going back to Japan empty and coming here full. It was the exact opposite. Japan was completely depending on us as a trading power, and they thought this will help us with our terms. So did that all make sense so far? Yes. Okay. And it's real important. Uh, just keep in your mind, nobody at this point thought the U.S. would ever enter World War II. And I mean, it. Britain was desperately hoping we would. Um, and God bless, by the way, the people of Britain. I mean, they stood alone. France got just taken out in an hour, right? Uh, Britain stood alone and endured terrors from Nazi artillery, long-range bombers. Man, God bless those people. And I hate saying German. It's Nazi, right? I, we had a prophet in, in, in college who always said that. Be careful saying German. They were Nazis. That's a different thing because there were Germans that weren't Nazis. And there were Nazis that weren't German. And some of them were here in the U.S. Um, but Japan officially signs on with the Nazis in Germany and the fascists in Italy. At this point, Germany had completely subjugated France. And that was part of the benefit for the Nazis in signing on. Namely, France had these little territories, Indochina, Vietnam, Cambodia, that entire thing, 
Well, that's Japan's now, thank you very much. A gift from your friends in Nazi Germany. So this uh, led to immediately Japan invading and occupying those countries and starting to export. Now we are not so dependent on the U.S. Japan's importing everything. Well, now we can just take things from those other countries. Manchuria, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, that whole area Japan now had control of and was taking resources from. Primarily, though, she was getting her oil from us, from the U.S., and that's a big deal. Japan needed oil bad. In the midst of all of this, Japan signing on with the Nazis compelled the rest of the non-Axis powers to put their hands around Japan's neck and squeeze. We're going to crush you with embargoes, and we're going to isolate you. Right, Kind of get Japan to get out of China and get out of this deal. So Japan's hope was by entering into this, the U.S. will back off about China and will negotiate better prices. The opposite happened. Um, what did this do in Japan? Well, it strengthened the position of the army, who was like, let's take them. Let's go. And America wants to fight, we'll fight. And the Navy's going, no, we'll fight. And that's not going to work out good for us. The Japan Navy was the moderating force. They simply didn't want to fight the Americans or the English at sea. But with all these embargoes, the Army gained ascendance. Um, let me take a drink. And now we get to the point where Japan is deciding what to do. They're forced into a real conundrum that in the end, the way they see it, the only way for us to get out of this is to go to war with the U.S. Um, and you think, well, how? Why does that help them? Some of it is the mindset of the time. We're unstoppable. We've been freight training everybody we've run into. The U.S. doesn't really want to fight, right? This is their thinking. But they will strangle us. They will choke us to death with the oil embargo and with all the other embargoes. So what do we do? We can't get out of China. If we get out, try to get out of China, the army will mutiny. And how do we get out of China? Do we just all leave? Now what? What are we going to do about all those resources we need? Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, well, no, don't get into that. Um, the whole idea of South, like of Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, that helped a lot. There's a lot of stuff there that they were taking. But why would the response be attack the Americans? Initially, here's what the Japanese believed would happen. Well, not initially. This is what they were sure was going to happen. We're going to sucker punch them. Yeah, we're going to hit them hard at Pearl Harbor and everything between Pearl Harbor and China. Every American base, every American territory, all the places the Americans were colonizing or colonializing, I can never remember. We're going to take them. And we're going to take them in one fell swoop. The Americans will do what they always do. They'll throw a hissy fit. 
Um, but they're not really going to want to fight. Not us. And so then we'll negotiate. And when we negotiate, we'll give back Hawaii. You can have that back. But these others are ours, and we're going to negotiate better trade position. This was the goal. This was their stated, and they were convinced. The hardest thing they had to figure out is a series of complex mathematical equations. And this will blow your mind. I, I've read a lot about this, and it is literally true. They were doing math. And here's the math. Okay, we've been buying more oil than we need and storing. We've got this much oil. We have to win the war before that oil runs out. Did you know this, Karen? No. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And it was a pretty significant equation. And that's why I'm not going to jump too far ahead. But at one point, we have the battle at Guadalcanal or at Midway. When that battle was over, Japan knew she lost the war. Do you know that? And everything else was just to force a better negotiating position. Why? The math's broke now. We lost that oil. It's literally that crazy. Wow. Yeah. Japan's only choices in their mind, abandon our colonizing, become colonized, and lose face. And by the way, the army in China, they're going to think it's really cute that we tell them to come home. As to whether they come home, we doubt it. So what do we do? Get what we can. Trust that the Americans are not tough enough. Trust that they're so sick of war. And by the way, the U.S. hadn't really been building herself up that much. Everybody else. Like I remember, gosh, I was in ninth grade. When I read about the Nazis steamrolling Poland and France, I'll never forget this. And I said to dad, and I was a kid, I'll never forget this. Were the, were the Germans just better fighters? And dad said, son, they were the only people building for war. <laughs> right? Nobody else in Europe was building for war. He says, and if you've got one country that spends 10 years building and training for war, they're going to beat the countries that didn't train for war. And it's really a great point. And the Japanese knew that. Look, we've been fighting a war for 10 years now. Americans haven't. And by the way, nobody's hit the U.S. since the 1800s. Right? Think about it. Nobody's punched us since the 1800s. At home, we've gone other places and punched people or got punched. They really believed that the shock of it and the American anti-war school uh, would win the day. We punch Pearl Harbor. We take everything between them and Hawaii, or between Hawaii and China. And then when the U.S. throws a hissy fit, we'll give them Hawaii back. And it's an arguable position. But, and I just told Dad when I was going through my notes with him, what, two, three days ago? And I know I'm going to, I'm going to, this is probably a tangent. You know, you look at dad's generation and they call them the greatest generation and it really fits. They're nuts, right? Like, and Lay said it's the same thing with the greatest generation in his country. They're just made of steel. They, they, they are. Like, I remember it was so funny. 
I was trying to talk to some college students at MSU about that. And they're like, well, everything was cheaper when your dad was a kid. I'm like, yeah, the pay was cheaper too. Right? Like, I think in their heads, dad was making in 1940 what he was making the day he retired. And so buying a house was easy. No, buying a house took dad 20 years, just like it takes people now. He just didn't buy what he didn't need. Dad didn't go out to eat uh, with mom unless it was like their anniversary. They didn't take us kids out to eat. Why? Well, that costs money. We need money. You don't spend money you don't have. You simply don't. The only time you take a loan is to buy a house. And you stay in that house until it's paid. It's that simple, right? And then you take a look at what they endured. Dad's generation. I told Lay this. I was showing him pictures. And he goes, what are they eating? I went, dandelions, dude. They ate dandelions. They were hungry all the freaking time. They were poor. They were hard men and women. These are the people who built the Hoover Dam. Think about that, right? You know, if you threw... The atomic bomb that landed on that we dropped on Hiroshima or Nagasaki. You know, you could drop that on the Hoover Dam and it would still work. Like the dam would not be blown up. They went to the moon to see. <laughs> right, right. And they did it with no calculators. Right? They, they literally lobbed a rocket. And did all this crazy complex. This generation, they don't brag. They don't complain. They just chug along. And I, I don't even know if they knew what kind of people they were. But Japan's about to find out. You know? Um, who was it? Uh, the Japanese general who, when they were making their plans, said, You're poking a sleeping bear. Let it sleep, right? You're poking a sleeping bear. Let it sleep. And he's the same general who, when the Japanese army was like, oh, once we take Pearl, then we just storm California. And he said, do you know Americans all have guns? <laughs> right? And you, you can see this. It's a hilarious quote, but he was like, they will be, if we invade the U.S. proper, quote, there will be a gun behind every blade of grass. <laughs> so the, the guys who studied with the army were different. The, the Japanese guys who studied with the American army were different than the Japanese guys who went with the American students. The guys who were in the, who went, worked with the American army guys were like, we don't want to do this. Um, and they did think of us as giants. Right, physically, we were much more substantial than them, and of course, our population was eight times theirs. But the Japanese were feeling a little saucy. More than that, they were feeling very painted into a corner. And it's easy for us to say, "Well, then they should have pulled out of China." I know, but they didn't see it possible, and I don't know if it was possible. I really don't. To me, they should have never went into China, but that's always easy to say. Hindsight's twenty twenty. In the end, Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor uh, was a gamble. 
there was a lot of possibility that it wouldn't work. Um, but the Pacific Ocean is a big, big, big ocean. And they took a clever route. I'm trying not to give too much details, right? They took a clever route. They did everything they could to disguise their intent. Uh, what we want to look at now, if you if you're up, well, even if you're not up for, oh, how are we on time? Oh my gosh. Okay. What we want to take a look at, just because I think it's worth mentioning, is the theory that FDR knew, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, right? That he knew that the Japanese were going to hit Pearl Harbor and kind of lured them there so we could get into the war. Um, I would find that I understand why people think that way, but I don't necessarily buy it. And I want to tell you why I understand why people think that way. Well, of course we knew they were going to attack us. I mean, that's obvious because their only other choice is to get out of China. But it wasn't FDR luring them. It was the logical consequence of the next step. Again, think about it. Japan takes Korea, and we're all like, okay, but stop it. Right? You're done at Korea. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Then, you know, you're two later. Hey, we needed to take Manchuria to save the people there. All right, you guys, last time you knock it off, right? Yeah, you got Manchuria, you've got uh, Korea. You got all the crap you need. Now knock it off. Oh, absolutely. Hey, they opened fire on us in China. We had to chase them, and then we ended up in Beijing. Okay, and six years later, there's millions of people dead. The U.S. felt, and everyone, felt a moral obligation. If we don't stop them, who will? Which was a darn good question. Because as you can imagine, Russia was a little bit t uh, nervous about fighting that tiger again. Right? They got their butts handed to them. And they never really recovered, by the way. Their navy never recovered from the pasting Japan put on them. Um, and by the way, that was a big factor in the fall of the Romanovs, which led to the rise of the communists. So... All this to say, you can look at it and go, well, Roosevelt set him up. Or you can go, well, what else was next? Yeah, take China. What's next? Because, by the way, you know what's after China, don't you? Russia, who didn't have a big army on that side, but was fighting the Germans on this side. Do you get me? Like, you can look at that and say, oh, he, he, yeah, he knew they were going to attack, but what could he do? What else was he supposed to do? Lift the embargo? Say, yeah, go for it. Take China. You get me? Or no? Yes. Okay. Did he know they were going to hit Pearl? There's no way in heck anyone saw that coming. That was just cold, genius, crazy viciousness. How did they get there? Yeah. Okay. So nobody saw it coming, but did you look, could you look back and go, oh, well, that made sense? Mm. Not Pearl. I'd still say to this day, and I think, I don't think I've ever read a historian who disagrees with me, that was bold. Okay. That was psycho. Because, um, again, if you understand Americans, you know what was coming next. If you didn't understand Americans, ah, there's, 
They'll they'll cry and throw a fit, and then we'll give them Pearl back, which is how the Japanese saw it. The fact that it was so shocking was what the Japanese felt guaranteed there wouldn't be a war. Right? They hit Pearl? What else can they do? Which Americans were asking, by the way. Okay. Yeah? You know, it's easy, of course, to forget that. But people, they hit Pearl? There were riots in California. Because they were sure they're on their way here. Yeah. Yeah. But was it like the people who said were questioning that were just drowned out by the people of, oh, this is a fight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Americans were pretty unified. And not to be funny, uh, truly, even the German Americans signed up for that war. Not to fight the Nazis. Right? Remember, we didn't declare war on the Nazis. We only declared war on the Empire of Japan. Then Germany, because of their treaty with Japan, declared war on us. Then we declared war on them. Make no mistake, it's possible had Germany not declared war on us, we wouldn't have declared war on them. We would have threw everything at Japan, which is wild to think of. Um, Do you know what I mean? And the only reason the Nazis did it, I assume, is because they had a treaty with Japan. You know, the tripartite treaty, I think it's called. Um, it's hard to explain how shocking that invasion was, not just because a crap ton of Americans died, but how did they get there? Uh, and again, part of it was genius, tactical genius. Uh, Yamamoto was a known gambler. In fact, some people describe him as a degenerate gambler. Um, but this was his gamble. If we punch them at Pearl, they'll be so scared of us that we can negotiate a good position. They just didn't count on folks' dad's age, you know. Um, they just did not count on them going, okay, if we're going to dance, we're going to dance. And don't forget, we got our clocks cleaned the first couple years of this war. Japan pounded us again and again. We just weren't ready. Uh, and a part of the reason we weren't ready, of course, because they sunk half our fleet at Pearl. Uh, I shouldn't laugh, but, you know, I mean, it's literally objectively true. You know, do you remember these days, Pop? Um, it was very damaging to us. Yeah. But they caught that much of our Navy setting. Our, and yeah. That was a, and uh, building ships was a very tedious, uh, long-lasting job. So yeah. They, it was a tremendous loss. Yeah, it was unreal. And I'll read next show quotes of accounts from that attack. Um, because it's just horrific to think about um so that's where we are on december 4 or december 7th 1941 uh japan attacked pearl harbor and every island between that americans had between there and china and took them all except pearl she didn't really try to take pearl um she just tried to take the navy out and again it worked Worked for a, quite a long time. Now, remember, Japan is relying on a pretty solid mathematical equation that they know when we cross this point in oil consumption, we've lost the war. They know it. But their hope is that Americans will just give up, will surrender and negotiate. And the best way to get Americans to do that is to be the most horrific enemy you possibly 
can. And uh, that'll be our next one, right? That will be our next uh, podcast. So uh, I think I'll call it now. Uh, the Tiger game started 15 minutes ago. Sorry, guys. Uh, but truly, we'll stop it there just because I need a little more time to put together. Uh, basically, next, it, I can't figure out how to give you a ton of data without giving you too much data. You know, uh, I'm going to focus on just basic ideas of how we slowly reclaim the initiative. Because FDR, and I'm not a huge fan, but one thing he figured out right away, well, we don't have limits on our resources. So we'll just keep throwing resources at them. Much like the Chinese did with human bodies, right? You'll run out of bullets before we run out of people. We did with machines. You'll run out of oil before we run out of machines. We could just keep building them. You can't, right? Um, and, and, you know, side note, if you don't mind, one of the key components to Japan's domination was the Zero, right? That airplane, the fighter plane they had. It was the finest fighter plane in the world at the time. Faster, more agile, lighter, heavier gun, lighter plane, heavier guns, better pilots, the whole banana. But here's the key. They were engineered so perfectly that assembling them, you ready for this? Required oxen, okay? When they were assembling the planes, moving the engine to the plant where the body is, they couldn't put them on a train because the vibrations would shake the engine loose. So they use ox carts, right? Which, again, you can only do that for so long. Oxen are pretty easy to kill, yeah? And when it takes you that long to make a plane, and I can make 10 average planes in the time it takes you to make one great one, I'll win. Just give me time. And that's World War II in a nutshell, in terms of the air and sea battle. Um, but, okay. So, uh, I do hope you guys are... I hope this is helpful to you. I really do. This is important stuff, in my mind at least. And, again, I'm not one saying, we should have dropped a bomb, or we shouldn't have. I, If you may put a gun to my head, I'd say, yeah, we should have. And I'm not glad we did, but I'm glad we did. Right, And I think you'll at least see the moral defensibility of my position by the time we're here. And if you don't, that's okay. Oh my gosh, I could be totally wrong. You just read the last page of the book, though. <laughs> right, right. Well, I guess, kind of. I mean, but I think it's clear to people, right? I mean, has I been talking or no? Have I been subtle? I, I hope mean, so. There's a lot to think about. It really is. I mean, if you were there that day, would you have made the same decision? Right. You know? Right. It's so easy for. Okay. Well, I did that because I uh, know all things. Uh, no, it's just I can't get that image out of my head of some millennial on his twelve hundred dollar phone. Right. They shouldn't have dropped the bomb. What do you know? Right. It, it, what, what do you know? Uh, I never suffered like that generation. You never did. Like, I have you seen that thing they put up about, oh, they say we're soft, but we endured the World Trade Center. Uh, we did too. <laughs> yeah, turned out it happened to everyone in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and I'll bet you weren't really affected outside of emotionally. Yeah. His generation, they starved. They fought. They bled. 
uh, when they had a recession, the government didn't run in and pour billions of dollars into banks and things and kickstart everyone. They just let people starve. I'm serious. That Great Depression lasted forever specifically because they Americans, frankly, were tough enough to handle it and not demand fix all our problems. Right? I mean, I could go on and on on this topic. But it drives me nuts when they're like, oh, we've suffered. Look at, we, we had to go through to, uh, the September 11th disaster. Everybody did. We all did. The, the generation that went through World War I, World War II, the Great Depression, Korea, Vietnam, they went through it too. They just didn't think they were special as a result. They said, yeah, life's tough. And that was awful. Well, what are we going to do? Yeah? Ah. I could go on. So uh, that's today's show and today's rant. The rant, I give you free. You're welcome. No tax. No tax. Um, but, uh, oh, you know what I did not mention yesterday? And I'm a jerk for this. Please pray for the people of Hawaii. Someone pointed this out. Why didn't you say that? Because I'm, I'm fallible, fallible. I'm, I'm human, normal. It's, it's crazy. Right? Oh, it's getting worse. Like the stories are nearly unbelievable. Oh yeah. Or but don't worry, President Biden lost his sixty-seven Corvette in a lightning strike once. Did you see that? That's literally what he told them. Uh, he he told some story to these grieving people about how his house caught fire one time and he lost his sixty-seven convertible. Okay. Corvette. Corvette. Excuse okay. me. Okay. Like, not to go there, but do you think there's truth that they let some of this just happen? I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this, me, you, and Dad, right? And for you Michiganders who are my age or older, do you remember when you always saw state employees out cleaning up the woods? You cleaned out all the brush at the bottom so that the floor of the forest was clean, right? Native Americans taught us this. It's, It's called land management. So when you get a fire, if a fire goes through a forest floor that's basically clear, the trees are fine. But if there's kindling down there, it'll cook the trees and it'll never go out. So our tax dollars used to be used for something actually helpful, right? Where you hire people who go out and clear all the brush off the forest floor. And nobody's doing that anymore. And I don't know if that's what's going on. Like, and, and objectively, there's less fires now than there have ever been, which is really weird to think of. It's just now the media has an interest in telling you there's fires. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I don't know. Been oh. In Michigan, we've never seen the no. kind of smoke cover that we've had oh. this year from Canada. Like, and you know all those pills i got to take for my lungs. I've had to take more of them this year. Because there was times when I was on vacation, was, and it's like breathing in sandpaper, you know, because you can see the smoke, yes. you know, from Canada. Canada. We get their garbage and their smoke. Yeah. They get our McDonald's. You're welcome. I don't know if this is still true, but in the 90s, this was a fascinating stat. 90% of Canada's population lived within 100 miles of a U.S. border. Canada's huge, but you can see it. Like when you look at a map and you go, it gets really close to the North Pole up there. But anyway, okay. 
Uh, what were we talking about? Does anyone remember? Were we wrapping up? Jesus, Jesus and God and how much I hate musicals. I haven't talked about my hatred for musicals in a long time. Yeah, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That's all a man needs. And Fiddler on the Roof. Les Mis is awful. Let's pray. Salad pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, for all of those who have died in war, get them home. Forgive their sins. See their sacrifice. Lord, what makes us humans so limited is we can only see what people do. You can see the why. You can see the heart beating in their chest. Their love for their family or friends or their country, whatever it may be. And so whether they were on our side or another side, Lord, get them home. We ask that you put in every living human heart such a deep, abiding respect for life that we never fall into these traps again and that we never set these traps again. Free us from the scourge of war. And Lord Jesus, you know the people in our hearts that we love so much and worry about. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that cause us to fret. And we give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we do trust you. And I said, Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you beautiful people next week. And until then, peas are my gift to you.